Welcome into the Husker 24-7 podcast. I am Mike Schaefer, joined by Brian Christopherson, Michael Brunt. Gentlemen, how are you doing today? I am doing well, Mike. How are you doing? I am uh, I'm good. It's, it's good to have you back from vacation. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's good to be able to, uh, to have the full team together, mostly because then I, I don't feel as much pressure that if this thing fails, it's not necessarily just my fault. So that's good. Uh, the, the podcast when you were gone was not of the highest quality. Uh, but, you guys, you know, I, heard, I, I listened to a good amount of it, and I was, I was a little taken aback by the amount of Dalvin Cook talk that I was getting, but uh, I, I soldiered on. All like a minute and a half of it? It was a lot. Uh, I'm sure it felt strong. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think there was actually that much Dalvin Cook talk. I would like to uh, defend our honor a little bit on that. But what uh, was your guys' consensus on it, though? That it's not good. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think I had a really strong take. Honestly, I didn't. I didn't have anything I took out of the oven on that one. I was. It was sort of like, yeah, that's that sucks. So um, we probably did sound though like we were doing it in an airport or something like the with, with sound quality so we apologize for that it's always good to have brunts aboard for the technical stuff uh whether it's this or also helping me get my boarding pass on my phone it, any of that stuff is always good when brunts is around i will make sure to also reset your vcr clock when i see you next time <laughs> it could be useful yes all right well there is a little <laughs> bit of news yeah, I don't. I don't have anything else. I got nothing. I don't even have any good banter topics for you. I'll see if I can come up with something by the end of the show. But in lieu of that, we should just get into the Scott Frost conversation from earlier this week. Brian Christopherson represented Husker twenty four seven on the Zoom call. And uh, BC, let's before we get into the Matt Farniak offensive line, look at how different Nebraska's offensive line is going to be. What uh, what was your takeaway of the wave of the future that is Zoom call press conferences? You know what? It went as well as possibly uh, as it possibly could have with a bunch of dunderheads involved. And I, I mean that with all respect to my colleagues, but I don't think some of us sports writers are necessarily magic with technology sometimes. And I was assuming it was going to be a lot of like dogs barking in the background and uh, people forgetting to mute and all sorts of things, chaos. And for the most part, aside from me and maybe one other person saying, hey, can you, can you hear me? Uh, when we're asking Scott Frost a question, um, it, was, it was pretty clean. So uh, kudos, I guess, for that. But uh, it was interesting. I mean, uh, yeah, the Farniak stuff was the big news, obviously, uh, with him switching sides, and we'll get into that. But I also thought Scott Frost talking about his team and him, he's under the belief that uh, there's, a, there's a lot of togetherness right now. And he said in a weird way, uh, you know, even with this COVID-19 thing, um, he feels like this team's gotten closer together through the obstacles, which would be very difficult to do. But he feels like that has happened. And I think in this climate we have right now, uh, where we're seeing uh, some interesting headlines across college football with more players speaking out, um, about various things they see within the program or that coaches are uh, doing. I think uh, that was an interesting topic where he, you know, he feels like uh, 
things are on a good level over there uh, in North Stadium with with players and coaches and all of that. Because right now, obviously, that's a, that's a big topic in college sports. Brunts, what were your takeaways from the audio? Well, I went back and watched the uh, the video just to kind of get a sense of everybody's uh, you know living room situations, the kitchen background, that kind of thing. See what see what everybody was working with, but. Um, you know, the, the Farniok thing was the biggest takeaway for me. Um, you know, the fact that freshmen and newcomers really aren't able to do anything. Um, you know, that, that's something uh, as well. But, you know, now since, since then, we've gotten the kind of the framework for when a return could happen in terms of, you know, practicing with coaches, that kind of thing. Uh, it just seems like Nebraska, I think, is taking a pretty level-headed approach to all this. They're, they're kind of doing what they can. And um, I think it's, it's – uh, I, I got the impression that they're very much just like everybody where they're just kind of waiting to see what happens a little bit. Yeah, if there were more time, I would have liked to have dived into exactly how you get newcomers who have come across the country to feel connected – in this, I mean, that's hard enough to do under normal circumstances when a guy comes to college for the first time, say he lived in Florida and all of a sudden he's in Lincoln and you have a little bit of homesickness. You don't really know that many people and you're just trying to get your feet under you. And now you throw in this deal where you got to get quarantined a while. And as Brunt said, which was notable, the newcomers at that point can't work out yet uh, under the rules. Uh, that I, I saw like they posted video the other day of how Frost and some of the guys, they went out like paintballing and stuff like that. So I know they're finding activities to, you know, make people feel good about it. And I've seen some young players like Ronald Delancey um, and some Marcus Fleming. Uh, they've tweeted how they're really loving it in Lincoln. So that's good. But that's that to me is an interesting sidebar and challenge of of getting those guys to feel like they're part of something when you're really in this phase where we're all sort of still disconnected from each other uh, compared to normal times. Yeah, I think that's uh, I think that was one of the concerns about bringing some guys back is that it's just it's just different. You're, you don't have the bridge program. You don't have the normal stuff that they can do. They can't even work out in the same way. Uh, that you normally would in a, a normal summer. And I know I keep saying normal, but that's, that's the opposite of what it is right now. And they have to just continue to, to try to do what they can to make those guys feel comfortable, to make them feel included, to make them feel like they're part of the team. And that's where, you know, Scott Frost talking about overcoming the obstacles and, and being close as a team, that's going to bleed into the new guys too. They're going to feel that family thing, and I think that's really important. All right, Brunt's kind of hit on the big thing. And that's Matt Farniak. He's going to move to right guard. He's been the right tackle for Nebraska the last two years. Uh, played right tackle, right guard under Mike Riley in 2017, and then has been exclusively at right tackle, where I think he started 24 straight games for Nebraska at this point. Moves to right guard, a position that I think the old staff, the new staff, his old high school coach have all basically said in uniform, this guy is a much better guard than he would be tackle, but he's been playing tackle because of Nebraska's depth. Is it more interesting to you as to what Matt Farniak means at right guard for what it does at left guard or what it means for Bryce Benhart at right tackle? We'll start with you, Brian Christopherson. Uh, left guard's more interesting to me because I already, 
you know, whether Farniak was going to play on the right side or the left side, I already assumed one of the big storylines was Bryce Ben Hart. You know, is he going to be up for it at right tackle? I suppose the one part of that now with Farniak staying on the right side is they feel like, and Frost said this, it could be easier for Matt if he has to move back out to right tackle, say there's an injury or say a young guy's struggling or something like that. At least Farniak is used to that side and practicing on that side where it's maybe not as big a deal as flipping him, you know, from the left. Uh, but I think, and we could, we could spend a few minutes just kind of running down the field at left guard, uh, who that guy is going to be. That's pretty darn interesting. Um, I mean, most of the spots, you kind of know what's going to happen. You know, Jurgens is your center, Hymas is your left tackle, Farniak's your right guard, and Ben Hart is hopefully your right tackle. But then left guard has about five or six guys you could name off, uh, including Bo Wilson, a returning starter, Trent Hickson, a returning starter, Ethan Piper as the young guy everybody was talking about last year behind the scenes uh, as a redshirt freshman should have a say. And then, oh, yeah, Turner Corcoran. And I didn't even mention like Brock Bando, who played some snaps at left guard, too. So we can get all into that and who you think the favorite is, but that, that to me is going to be quite a battle. Yeah. It's it, the, the more intriguing part, I think is what it means at left guard. I mean, I, I think when you, like Brian said, there, there's a ton of people there where, you know, if, if Farniak is on the left side, I mean, you're, you're assuming that Bo Wilson with his experience, uh, you know, and just kind of the depth that's at that position probably allows him to win out there. But, you know, now you have what's pretty much a full-blown competition on that left side. And I think because you have a guy like Hymas over there who's a veteran guy, you know, you can maybe look at going with somebody who maybe you feel better about but doesn't maybe have as much experience if, if that's, you know, if you're kind of splitting hairs on who wins that job. Um, you know, the right side too, I, I think – you know, it makes sense now that I kind of think about it that you want a veteran guy playing next to a younger guy, which is what you would have on the right side, assuming that Farniak wins that job and, and Bryce Benhart's able to win the right tackle job. But, you know, I, I think I, I always go back to what Greg Austin says about getting the best five guys on the field uh, along the offensive line. And I think the the competition that will – likely unfold that left guard spot will make that group better as a whole than maybe what it would have been had they kind of moved forward, I think, with, uh, with, with Farniok on the left side. I'm going to read a quote, and you, you tell me if you read anything into it. This is Frost yesterday or Tuesday. Having a veteran with Hymas on the left side of the line and a veteran with Matt on the right side of the line I think will help whoever's playing left guard and whoever's playing right tackle. Obviously, we know about Ben Hart. But did you – it's kind of what Bruns was getting at. Do you read into that? Maybe, like, that is that veteran-young combination on each side where that, that sort of, like, makes you think, ah, oh, Ethan Piper or something like that. Or do you not go that far with it? I definitely think that that would seem to hint towards having a younger guy at the left guard spot. And there's no shortage of options there. It could be Ethan Piper. It could be Michael Lynn. It could be yep. Turner Corcoran. Uh, you know, there's there's – three young guys right there that, that all seemingly would have that opportunity. And then there's the host of other people. I mean, you have Trent Hickson, the former starter. You have Brock Bando. 
You have uh, Bo Wilson, who's a right guard. You have Matt Sichterman. I mean, there's there's a lot of people that are going to be vying for that spot, and it will be it will be interesting. I keep going back to Ethan Piper because I feel like Greg Austin struggles to not bring him up, given any opportunity to do so. It seems very much like they like this guy a lot. Uh, they want to bring him along, and he was someone that you know, if, if Cameron Jurgens wasn't their center, I wouldn't have been surprised if Ethan Piper had ultimately ended up in that role. I mean, they were trying anything they could uh, to see how to get him involved on that offensive line. And, and that's why it would seem likely he could be the, the left guard there. I'm going to, I, I want to talk a little bit about right tackle. I think this is a huge, huge endorsement of Bryce Benhart. I mean, this was a guy they went out and they wanted to get, they immediately put him on the right side for this moment for a reason. They thought that he could be the starting right tackle very early in his career I was one of the people that wondered last year if he wouldn't play more as a freshman uh, simply so they could move Farniak inside and that would give them maybe a little bit uh, more help for someone like Cam Jurgens during his time as a freshman center, a redshirt freshman center. They didn't end up doing that, but I, I really think this is big for Bryce Benhart because you're setting up where this guy could be a three- or four-year starter and could really lock down that cornerstone of that side of the line. And, and then – you know, Farniak will graduate, and then you're going to have another right guard right there as well that'll be learning and playing alongside someone who will have a lot of experience in Benhart. So I, I think in some ways what they seem to be doing is setting up roles on either side of Cam Jurgens, where they're not going to lose these guys uh, and lose a ton of starting experience going into that 2021 season. You'd have a veteran um, – in Jurgens, and then you'd have two guys with at least a year of experience if they went the Ethan Piper, Bryce Benhart route. It's fallen into place pretty well for him, really, because – and this is not a small thing either. Gaylord getting that sixth year gives you a veteran guy who is in the background, at least, that you could also use at one of the tackle spots. They really seem to like Brant Banks and how he was coming along. So you're setting yourself up where Banks doesn't have to start this year. He could work behind Hymas, but he could be the future next year uh, going forward with him and, you know, Ben Hart on each side. And then I am, I know some people are going to want like Piper or Corcoran to win one of the starting jobs. And if they do good for them, but I don't think it's the worst thing. If a veteran like Bo Wilson steps up, meets the challenge, he's your guy there. And on your two deep, You've got like Piper and Corcoran um, ready to be the guys next year and get some games and get some snaps this year in uh, roles where they're not the main guy yet, but they're close. The other thing we, that is important that can't be left out here is center, where they do have to find that guy that they feel dependable behind Jurgens, because, you know, Jurgens has had an injury history and he's going to have to prove he can be healthy and, if you listen to coaches last year, they, they really acted like there was a significant gap between how Jurgens blocked and how the next guy in line blocked. So whether that's Will Farniak or one of the interior guys we're talking about, I think they need to have a, find a pretty solid answer for a backup center too, where if something happens to your main guy, it doesn't throw your whole offensive line for a loop where you can't function after that. And that guy would seem to be Farniak, right? You would, you would hope so, yeah. Um, but he, he's going to have to step up too. So that, that, that's an interesting little sidebar as well. 
When, when do you guys recall this much depth along Nebraska's offensive line? Like I am, I'm rack, I've been racking my brain, and I, it's like early Pelini year. I mean, how far back do we have to go? Because I mean, when you kind of look at this, the the overhaul of this offensive line in the last three years in terms of not only bodies but but guys that that fit the positions that they're going to play I feel like in the, in the past there's been a, a lot of shoehorning that's kind of gone on with guys um, but I mean it, it's remarkable to me not only that you you have a veteran group coming back this year but you're setting yourself up really well in the next couple of years to have continuity on that offensive line and to me that's how that's how you build a program and start, you know, not just, you know, having to reshuffle the deck chairs every other year whenever you have somebody graduate and move on. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, they, it, it has felt a little bit like you had to play musical chairs every um, off season. And really there was, there wasn't a lot of faith in basically anybody behind the sixth or seventh guy. And sometimes there wasn't even that. You know, we've seen offensive lines at Nebraska in recent years. You know, when Mike Cavanaugh was here, um, it, it was like he felt good about five guys and five guys only. I mean, there was not going to be anybody else who was really getting in the mix. And I don't think you have to necessarily have ten guys like some people around here do. But you at least have to feel like if somebody goes down at each spot um, – I think you've got to have a rotation of eight that you fully trust this year. And then beyond that eight, I think you have to have a couple of guys that you feel like are only about a year or so away. And I think they're finally to that point and uh, maybe beyond that, but they have to prove that the 2019 class is going to be so big this year in determining how we feel about Nebraska football and no place is that going to stick out more than the offensive line where if, okay, is Bryce Ben Hart ready? Is Ethan Piper ready? Um, you know, Brant Banks, if he's starting to get in the mix. If, if those guys are playing some ball this year and it's looking good, that's, that's going to be a big part in when the season's over us saying, okay, there's a really solid foundation here. To answer Brunt's question, I think you're looking at like 2010 would be the last time that yeah. you would have felt particularly good about Nebraska's depth on their offensive line. The redshirt freshmen that year, and they weren't even guys that – we knew at the time how good they were going to be, but you have Spencer Long, you have Jeremiah Searles, you have Quali, and then the starting offensive line looks like it would have been Jamarcus Hardrick, uh, Keith Williams, you would have had Ricky Henry, Mike Caputo would have been the center, and then your other tackle was Marcel Jones. So that was probably the last offensive line that I think was what you would consider to be pretty deep, but you were still depending on a lot of hope for a redshirt freshman there. You ended up with some pretty good guys uh, out of that group. Who's Nebraska's most indispensable offensive lineman in 2020? It's Cam Jordan, still, right? Uh, I'm going to make the argument for Brendan Hymas. Mm-hmm. I just uh, – and I know they like Brant Banks a lot, and I think Brant Banks could be your left tackle in the future, but I still think that your left tackle is generally your most important offensive lineman uh, you're usually putting them up against the biggest pass rush. I think Will Farniak could do the job if asked, uh, and I think they would have been okay. Um, so I'm going to go with Brandon Hymas just because of the, the drop-off there from what I think and what I know uh, feels a little bit more. But I, 
I think it's either Hymas or it's, it's Cam Jurgens. So those, those are the two. It's Jurgens for me because you just – you know, even last year, you, you look at the way that the offensive line played at the end of the season compared to, you know, where they were at the start of the year. Obviously, the, the snaps issue has been well documented, and that's something that I think he's fixed. But beyond that, you know, he's a he's a guy that they feel so highly about that – you know, when you, when you start getting the the, the comparisons to, to some of the legendary guys that have played the center position in the program, when, you know, I, I think, you know, I, I think Will Farniak can can handle that job fine. But I, I, I think this, the ceiling for Cam Jurgens is so high when things kind of start to click for him, and especially if he can stay healthy, that, you know, if, if you've got that middle part figured out and you're able to run inside, I, I, I just think he's so key to that. Never, never mind, you know, getting everybody lined up and, and all that other stuff. I mean, I, I just think when you have good center play, and it's been a while since Nebraska's had consistently good center play, I think that it makes everybody else's look so much better. I think it's a really tough question. And Schaefer's point about Hymas is, is well taken. I'd probably say Jurgens too, though, just because I feel like Nebraska took that black eye for half the season last year uh, where you, you got kind of punched in the face and you, you were struggling and you didn't know if this was going to be worth it. People wanted them to make a move uh, with the snap issues. And they played the long game on that um, and uh, took some hits. And now you finally come out on the other end where it feels like in November, I felt like the whole offense, while it wasn't uh, – a work of art they at least had a rhythm in November and they could at least run the ball and part of it was they're starting to give Diedrich Mills a chance to go I think but also I feel like Jurgens was a big part because he had figured out not only the snap thing but also he was the command center of the offense and he was getting the calls out and guys were hearing it and there was communication that I don't think was there in September and Greg Austin has said as much so that's where you don't want to have to go back to square one with a new guy now all of a sudden after you finally fought through all those uh, kind of walk the winding road with that. All right. Well, let's uh, – any any final thoughts on the Scott Frost Zoom call? Anything you want to get to that we haven't had a chance? Um, you know, I, I guess that of mild interest, like geez, this is nuts and bolts stuff, but, you know, they didn't – you've seen these headlines where some people had to sign pledges and stuff about working out and Nebraska didn't do any of that. Um, and so there were, there was little things there. I encourage people to read it. All that stuff's on the site on Husker 24 seven. Um, but uh, it was good to just be talking some football and the Farniak thing was like, I don't know, that was beautiful just to get inside of like offensive line discussion again, where it actually felt real. That was uh, that was kind of a pick me up. Excellent. Excellent. All right. Uh, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll get into a little bit of recruiting. We're going to have some baseball talk, not major league baseball, because that's never, ever, ever coming back. <laughs> but college baseball or Nebraska had a few big additions and one notable departure that and more with the Husker 24 seven podcast. This episode is brought to you by progressive insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. 
You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And we are back. Uh, What did you guys do during your 10-second break? I ate lunch. In 10 seconds? I just woofed it. Whole sandwich, just right down. Do you think BC's had any good spuds during quarantine, Brunts? I, that's a good question. You, he was out on the spud a little bit pre, pre-COVID, so I don't know. Brian? Yeah, I was wondering if coronavirus got him back in on the spud game. I haven't had a COVID spud, actually, um, so I don't know how they're doing over there. They're still, they're still open, um, so that's good. So I might have to say, say hello uh, but I have not done that. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's, I've been, I've become kind of a chef guys. And that's, uh, <laughs> you make soup. Like, that doesn't make you a chef. <laughs> no, no, there's a few other things I've added to the arsenal, but I, I have become sort of, uh, sort of, uh, you know, emerald around here. What else you, what else are you making? Impress me a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Putting me on the spot. Um, I, I, I put. I have pulled out recipes. I've done this thing where I just start like googling recipes for things that like. Oh, that's not, seems interesting to me, and I'll take them on. Like I'll take on the challenge. Like I've made some, some different you know, grilling items and chicken dishes and stuff with some elaborate concepts involved that I don't want to get too into because it's it's not for the layperson out there. Uh, but it's uh, it it's been uh, pretty intense in this kitchen. Um, I'm not going to lie. So that's been one thing that has come out of this. That was an incredible 20-second non-answer, if I've ever heard one. So, <laughs> so when you say chicken, do you actually mean duck or goose? And do you, and by chicken dish, do you mean foie gras? Or what are you making over there? Yeah, we want um, answers. I, I will send you – I am going to start sending you guys pictures because there seems to be skepticism about what I'm making. I have sent you pictures of the soup before. Yeah, we know you're um, a soup guy. Yeah, which, I will. Are su- you, can you still enjoy soup when it's 96 degrees out? <laughs> if you're 94 years old. Well, Brian. In my, <laughs> in my house, I can because I, I have the air down so low, it feels like I, yeah, I'm in an igloo, so it's okay. All right. Uh, yeah, you're going to have to send these photos because Brunch and I are going to keep hassling you for an actual dish name until you give us one. I'll give you, I'll give you a couple of the recipes. Uh, I'm, I can't think of what some of them are called. Um, I made this chicken Parmesan meal that was pretty good the other day. Uh, but anyway, it's, it's the, there's been about eight to ten new things I've tried. Okay. All right. We'll, uh, we'll take your word for it, but we're going to want more in the future. We can okay. revisit this when we have that information. All right. Let's, uh, let's get into this topic a little bit. I, I wrote about this in the VIP room. Uh, I think it'll probably appear back on our site again at some point. Nebraska does not have commitments from a running back, a tight end, a defensive lineman, a Either, you know, a nose tackle or a defensive end or a corner or a safety. So you got basically six positions there 
of those six where they don't have a commitment yet in the 2021 class, what do you think the most important position is? Not necessarily player or target, but position for them to address in this 2021 class. BC, you want the first shot or should we go to brunch while you're still looking up those recipes? One of them's chicken asparagus I did, but Bruns can answer this first. All right. So, I, if, for me, it's, it's defensive line. Um, oh. I think, obviously, t- tight, end is a, tight end's an important one. I, I think they're in on a number of guys, though. I don't think they're going to have much trouble filling those spots. Um, to me, it's, it's defensive line because I think Nebraska's in a good spot right now with its depth. They've got a lot of bodies there. I think you need to continue to add to that. And, you know, I, I think my concern is, is you always – it's tough to find guys to play that nose tackle spot um, or, or to find guys that fit a 3-4 as a defensive end. And I think that Nebraska needs to really kind of hammer this class too of continuing the momentum there. I mean, you, you really like what they have in Ty Robinson. You like some of the JUCO signings that they had. But – uh, I, I think Mosai Newsom's a guy that's probably overlooked and is going to have some say in the in, in kind of that defensive line this year. But I, I just think uh, you know you, you probably need to get at least three, two or three guys uh, to feel good about um, you know kind of where things are headed there. BC, yeah. <clears throat> well, I have a hard time disagreeing with that. Um, that's that's probably where I would have went to with my answer. Um, You're both wrong. I mean, okay. Tell me why I'm wrong. I would love to. So I I actually think there's three positions that I would put above either defensive end or nose tackle. But a lot of it is because I think they have some young guys that we still need to see some more of. Whereas they don't have that kind of depth necessarily at tight end, at running back, and at safety. And so, I I mean, I, I think tight end and running back, you can basically go 1A, 1B. And, and I'll go with running back on this one. I like Marvin Scott. I like Sevion Morrison. I like Ramir Johnson. I hope Ronald Tompkins can be healthy. Those are the four guys that you have to replace Dedrick Mills right now. And I don't know if Nebraska necessarily has a number one running back on their roster behind Dedrick Mills. You hope that that's Marvin Scott. I get the sense that Sevion Morrison is more of a duck R type running back for him. Ramir Johnson is more of a duck R type running back for him. Uh, And I could be completely wrong on that. That's just, like I said, a sense that I get. I think Nebraska has to go out and get more running backs. I think they got to get a couple more guys in the 2021 class and really kind of build back that depth. I mean, mean, you lose Maurice Washington and Greg Bell in subsequent classes, and you move Wandale Robinson to wide receiver. And for as much as they've recruited at running back, there's just a lot of questions there. And, And maybe Marvin Scott comes in, and it's very immediately going to be the next guy in line behind Dedrick Mills. I don't know if that's going to be the case. And so I, I think running back to me more so than, than what you have on the defensive line, where I think they really like Mosai Newsom. I know they really like Ty Robinson. They're intrigued by what they have with Jakeem Green and some of those other guys. I, I think they're very excited about Nash Hutmacher. Uh, they'll see what they're going to get out of Marquise Black. I, I think that there is more of a – a question mark as to once Diedrich Mills leaves, who's the next guy that could be kind of the big thumping running back. And I don't think that they necessarily have that yet. 
And so to me, that's a big thing in this 2021 class. I, I'm confident, though, that, that Ryan Held can get his guy. Like, I, I think that's why there's less concern for me about the running back spot. Okay. Yeah, uh, part of it's their belief in Ryan Held as a recruiter and his ability to evaluate talent. Um, I'll go back to the defensive line real quick. I kind of, you know, backing up what Brun said. I think you've just you've got to you've got to stack multiple classes together in the trenches where that thing um, is just feeding itself. Uh, where you know, this group of the 2019 guys, they start to play. And then a year or two later, they're getting pushed by the next crop of guys who get a year behind the scenes where they don't have to be a stud right off the bat. They get a year or two to kind of adjust to this level, and then suddenly they're in the fold. And I just feel like Nebraska too long, for too long on the defensive line has had these classes where occasionally they'll have a good class, but then there'll be a class where like nothing works out uh, in recruiting that. And I feel like they need to have that this segment of time where they like, stack like three classes in a row together where those guys all work <clears throat> but tight end's a good answer too um and there's so much riding on Fedone I, I watched you know he put out a little clip it was like a five second clip the other day <clears throat> and just watching him pivot and his size and how he moved and what you could do with a guy like that who I think is ranked number 38 overall now in the 24-7 sports rankings and the latest ones um, he can change an offense, a guy like that. And I know that's a lot of hype for a recruit, but you can split him out wide. He can be your, you know, your normal tight end type set guy. I just feel like he's going to be huge if they can get him to changing the whole perception of this class, um, which right now is ranked a little lower. And obviously he would elevate that quite a bit too. Yeah, the tight end spot, you've got Eric Olson. Um, out in Colorado that's got Nebraska in his top six. He's visited before. He's another guy that, I mean, you, you get him, you get Fedoni in the class. I mean, that's, that's a heck of a haul um, at uh, at tight end to kind of replenish the numbers there. Well, and there's A.J. Rollins, of course, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they need it. I think Nebraska's sort of banking on getting A.J. Rollins, but we'll see. He's also kind of said that he's in no rush either in his recruitment. Well, they're in a perfect spot, and Sean Becton has said this, to recruit the spot because any guy in this class is looking at the situation and they're saying, okay, Jack Stoll's not going to be here uh, when I get here. Um, Austin Allen, Vokalek, Raftall will be seniors when this, when this class is true freshmen. And uh, Hickman, obviously, is playing more wide receiver now, it appears. And so th- it's the perfect scenario – even for guys who believe in their talents and believe they could beat out people anyway, where they say that thing is wide open for me to play right away at tight end uh, from day one. And so that's got to be pretty exciting. I would think. You guys hear the big storm rolling yeah. through? Just watching the uh, hail hit, hit my house. Mm, well, that's uh you live in a neighborhood runs where it's pretty impressive if you can go a full week without losing power. So Losing power or trees, like, basically turning into giant spears. Like, that, that's pretty much what I deal with over here. Yeah. Well, I always know a storm is coming because about 20 minutes before it happens, Slider starts to slowly lose his mind. And now he is completely losing his mind. So we've got that going on. So if you hear him go nuts, 
That's uh, that's what's happening over here. All right, let's close out with this. Brunts, baseball did not get much of a season this year. However, they have uh, they've added a couple guys from Texas A&M and New Mexico State that could really help them out next year in their pitching rotation and could really kind of advance and push where Will Bolt's bunch will be and what will now be his first full year in 2021. Yeah, it, it's been an interesting offseason. And, and, you know, obviously COVID has affected a lot of, you know, how teams are able to recruit right now. But the baseball team's just kind of been full steam ahead. They, and they've been working the transfer portal this week. They added uh, Chance Roche. He's a, was a Friday night starter for a very good New Mexico State team. Uh, this past year, he's a grad transfer. His uh, junior season, he went ten and one uh, as the Sunday night guy uh, at New Mexico State. So that's a huge get. I mean, you, you, Gareth Stroh moved on to, to Wichita State as a grad transfer. You know, they, they feel good about Cade Povich. You also have uh, Colby Gomez, a couple other guys that, that could kind of slide into that rotation as well, but. This is a proven guy that's pitched in some pretty good, pretty big games. Um, so they, I, I think that was a really, really big get for them um, in, in terms of just kind of having a front-end guy. Uh, and then a, a name that might be kind of familiar to those who follow prep baseball in Nebraska, Cam Wynn. Uh, he was a Lincoln High grad, went to uh, Johnson County Community College in Kansas for a couple of years and then signed with Texas A&M. Uh, big Strong kid, 6'5", 215. He's kind of a kind of known as a power pitcher. You can find videos of him in, in bullpen sessions, hitting 99. He's got a fastball that sits 94 to 96 uh, when he's feeling okay. And, you know, that that's more your back-end type guy in your bullpen, a guy that can kind of change the pace a little bit. He's, he's you know, got a little bit of work to do, I think, um, uh, but, but showed promise at A&M. So, those are two kind of big gets. Uh, the other little bit of news that happened today, kind of heard a little bit of, about this earlier in the week, but Aaron Polinski uh, signed a free agent deal with the New York Yankees, so his Nebraska career is done. I talked to him uh, about an hour or so ago. Uh, was getting hearing a lot from um, you know major league teams that, that, because he wasn't drafted with a different draft now they could sign unlimited free agents, but he's going to be a Yankee. Uh, that, that's going to be a little bit of a hit for Nebraska's lineup next year with everything he did. But uh, the, the thing to kind of keep in mind, you've got Logan Foster coming off of a, a sit-out year uh, to slide kind of into that right field spot. So I think that's a good, uh, you know, obviously good news for Aaron, but I think Nebraska's prepared to kind of handle that that news as well. So they'll go from Aaron Judge to Aaron Polinski in right field here in a few years. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, and thankfully there's no annoying pun with Polinski's name that uh, everybody could wear wigs and uh, gowns for. So they've got that going for them. I wish that I was witty enough to have just a word that I could have just thrown behind Polinski's name to, 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 to be able to do that. But I don't, I don't really have anything for it, so sorry. But the, the highlight of Aaron Polinski's career, though, will always be the piss rocket of a home run that he hit. <laughs> Uh, against Oklahoma State in the regional uh, oh, last what a year. What an absolute great game that was. Uh, and it, it just, true to Nebraska fashion, just getting your heart ripped out at the very end uh, if you're a Nebraska baseball fan after what felt like a very joyous about eight innings. So there you go. All right. Um, we have any final thoughts here as the storm rolls in and we depart? 
Yeah, get your cars indoors. You got your cars under the roof. I, I was I was just I was just wondering if I had reattached my uh, my drain pipes after I mowed. Mm. Very important. It's, you want to make sure you do that. It's funny when you're a kid, hail's kind of an exciting thing. It's kind of fun, and then as you get to be an adult, it just sucks. You know, you're absolutely like live in fear of it. I just start yeah. chain smoking whenever there's hail in the forecast. <laughs> Sliders yeah. should pick that up. It might calm them down. Marble Reds. I will, all right, that's all I, I will got. pass that along. We'll pass that along. All right, BC is done with this, so we're done with you. Uh, we'll be back next <laughs> week. <laughs> we'll be back next week with more recipes and more Nebraska athletics talk. You're listening to the Husker 24-7 podcast.